You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Island today, I've got Jacinta Sir Williams with us. Hi Jacinta. Hello. Welcome to the island. Thank you for having me. On the island we love to hear from people who have got a story to tell. That time in their life when they did something a little different, did something for themselves, perhaps went against the grain, or actually life threw you a curveball and it changed everything. What's your story today Jacinta? Well, I think my story starts with a big old curveball. When I was 30, I got diagnosed with bowel cancer. And that was only three years ago? Three years ago. And had you experienced anything like that previously in your life? Nothing. Uh, So, yeah, all healthy, fit, happy, 30-year-old, no symptoms. Because bowel cancer, you, you think of older people. Young people, very rarely. Is that something that is common? Uh, It's starting to um, affect a lot more younger people. And is that because of environmental things or...? or They're not sure. Yeah, as you kind of suggested, it has always been a kind of old person's disease. But uh, for whatever reason, we're just getting diagnosed younger and younger. So tell us how it came about. What was the lead up to it and how were you told? So my story actually starts uh, with a nagging father. He uh, was diagnosed himself with bowel cancer when he was uh, 46 and went on a bit of a journey to find out why. So he ended up at Genetic Services WA and um, through their testing, uh, they found out that he was diagnosed with Lynch syndrome. So what that is, it's a a faulty gene that makes you more predisposed to cancer. And in this case, uh, bowel cancer or what the Americans refer to as colon cancer. And if you're a female, you get the double whammy of ovarian cancer and uterine cancer. And he passed that gene on? Yes. So Mm. he has a 50-50 chance of uh, whether he passes it on. So from the time I was 26, he kept nagging me, going, Jacinta, you need to go get tested. Uh, You need to, you know, see if you have this gene. And I was like, no, Dad, like, I don't want to have the, you know, the shadow of maybe getting cancer over me. That's not something I want in my life. 
Um, so you thought <laughs> that not having a test just puts it way to the back of your mind and doesn't come into your life? Yeah. I don't need to know. Uh, I just, I'll get tested. So I'll just go get colonoscopies. So normally it's 10 years after your family member has been diagnosed. So my dad was 46. And that would mean I would start getting colonoscopies when I was 36. Okay. So you had a few years up your sleeve, you thought? Yeah, I thought I had time. Yeah. <laughs> so did it come all of a sudden? So it came to a head. So he was nagging me for about four years and our relationship started to get a bit strained uh, to the point where every time I would see him, he was like, have you got tested? And, and I was like, wow. no, dad. So I finally said, okay, I'll, I'll go to my GP. I didn't promise to get tested. Um, but little did I know I have a fabulous GP who um, also sees my mum. And mum happened to have an appointment probably two weeks before me and dad sent this Lynch syndrome paperwork with her and gave it to my doctor, which is a bit naughty, but it came from a good place. And um, so I went to my appointment and she was like, my GP was like, Jacinta, this is actually pretty serious. Uh, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, okay, well, fine, I'll get a colonoscopy. And that's how it all started. Your GP was obviously pretty supportive so I guess you just thought it was routine, nothing was going to happen? 110%. So I went into the, um, the colonoscopy prep quite happy because you get like a two-day cleanse. It's fabulous. And if anyone's putting it off, please don't. It's not as bad as it used to be. It's only about four glasses that you have to drink of a lemony drink and you get completely uh, cleared out and you eat a white diet. So that's like potatoes, connoisseur ice cream, rice bubbles. It's great. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, en I enjoyed it. So Where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone go get one. So I I happily went along to the colonoscopy. The gastroenterologist was actually my dad, had been seeing my dad since his cancer diagnosis. So he knew me and he was like, oh, hi, hi's your dad. And we went in and got it done. And so when did you find out about the results? So I was sitting in the waiting room afterwards eating the best ham and cheese sandwich of your life. So they give you this little toasted sandwich after and it's glorious. And I was looking around the room and the, the doctor was kind of coming in and talking to everyone and discharging them, giving them their sheets and going. And he said, oh, Jacinta, is your dad here yet to come picking you up? And I was like, oh, no, he's not here yet. But he's like, well, tell me when he's here. And so that happened and he walked in and he looked at both my dad and I and he said, could you please come see me in this private room? And my dad just looked at me and I knew, okay, this, this is serious and... Um, did you say anything or did you? say just, It was just a look. We both just looked. We kind of knew. Um, we were taken into this private room and the, the doctor kind of actually knelt in front of me. He didn't even sit on chair. And he said, look, we've found something and I've been doing this a long time and it, it doesn't look good. Straight up. Straight up. And they, these days they give you a, a little uh, colonoscopy report with photos. Oh. And he, yeah, I know. So he showed me a photo and it was a 3.5 centimetre tumour. Wow. Mm. Had you ever seen anything like that before? In never, no. never. And so it was very tangible when it's in yeah. front of you um, and you can see a picture. And I ended up a funny kind of story to that when I had to go to work and tell them. I, I just, because I didn't know what to say, I ended up taking this picture and sliding it across the desk to HR, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is quite funny thinking about it now, but yeah, it's what I did. Yeah, just to justify it. Yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know. <laughs> Have a look. Yeah, management like uh, visuals, don't they? Here, here you go. 
how quickly before you had surgery? Three weeks. It was extremely, extremely quick turnaround. And what support did you get in that three weeks? Uh, it, was, it was outstanding from uh, the doctors and nurses who saw me. I actually ended up going in for another colonoscopy because they tried to take it out that way. But unfortunately, that wasn't successful. So then I had meetings with bowel surgeon, a, a amazing bowel surgeon, nurses, uh, and then, of course, telling my work. And they were extremely supportive. Um, I'd only been working there for about two years at that point. Um, so I didn't have that much sick leave, like only two and a half weeks. And this, once you um, go into bowel surgery, is, you know, you have six to eight weeks off work, which I'd never experienced. I've never even gone on a holiday for that long. So also in that three weeks, it would have been long enough, though, for you to think and think and think again. Was there anything in particular that stuck in your mind during that three weeks? I think when, when you get the diagnosis and you're waiting for results, you actually... You, you try not to think that much appointment by appointment because you're getting so much information thrown at you and you're, then you're trying to figure it out and you need to make some decisions. Um, like I had the choice of taking out my whole bowel or, or just taking out a, a bit. So it's all those, okay, what, does my, what do I want my life to look like? What, you know, what do I want? What are my values? And um, we end up up coming to the decision that I would only take out um, 30 centimetres of my bowel and I promised my um, bowel surgeon that if I ever go back and I've got like um, lots of polyps which is pre-cancer in the bowel I'll look at taking a full um, taking it all out but at this point in my life I, I still want to be able to you know go traveling without having to know where the toilet is and not having a, a, a pouch or anything so that was the decision there. So what happened on the day? Oh, on the day, I had, yeah, you have to do the, the, you have to have your special shower, like antiseptic shower. I had my husband, uh, which I don't think we were married yet, actually. Now that I say that, we weren't married, so that was a big boyfriend test. Uh, he drove me to the hospital, which was St. John of God in Subiaco, which was just fantastic. Um, yeah, and you get put into this little waiting room and... Um, and then they kind of just take you through the system from there. And when you woke up, did you have any sense of relief, more intrepidation, more fear? Yeah, that's a great question. I woke up and you immediately look at your tummy because you, you're told that there is a chance of a colostomy bag. And so, you know, that's what you, you don't want. Obviously, it's life-saving, so if you get it, you know, you, you, um, you, you do the best with it. But my bowel surgeon was fantastic and she did the best job and I woke up and I, I didn't have that. So it was kind of relief and, yeah. And, and the six to eight weeks recovery? Yeah, so I had 10, 10 days in hospital um, and I had a, a gorgeous room with big windows, which I really think helped to my recovery. So I didn't watch TV or anything during that time. I, that was probably my time to reflect and because, you know, you're just going appointment by appointment. So just to kind of sit back and go, OK, this, this is it. And it was actually on the eighth day of um, that hospital stay that I um, got the call from Genetic Services WA to confirm that I had myself Lynch syndrome and by that stage I was like yeah yeah I, I know <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah yeah confirmed so. so in that time when you're in hospital and you said you 
didn't watch TV much. You looked out the windows and had that time to reflect. What did you reflect on? What had gone before or what was coming for the rest of your life? Definitely what was probably in front of me now. Because Lynch syndrome, you have a 70% chance of getting cancer, and I'd already gone through that stat. And just being on top of my health going forward. Because there are some things you can implement in your life to help you reduce your, your chances of cancer. But now that I know that I have Lynch syndrome, I actually am less likely than the population to get cancer because I get checked and I am on top of my health. I hope this isn't too much of a probing question, but at any stage did you think about your mortality? Ah, oh, all the time. Because you don't know and I think during that stay uh, in hospital it probably it wasn't until the end of my stay that the, all the results came back and I only had stage one bowel cancer which is extremely early. Um, they took uh, I think about 26 lymph nodes and it hadn't spread so I didn't have to have chemo or radiotherapy. The whole time you're waiting because you just don't know what's next but yeah no I think about it all the time and I just now relentlessly prioritise my life um, to things that either bring me joy, bring other people joy, family, friends, happiness and like meaningful work. You, yeah, you just reinvent your life pretty much when you get that diagnosis. You recovered, went back to work, life goes back to normal, does it? Yes and no. It, that's a really good question. It, it, it sort of does. So first of all, it's the physical. So, you know, I've got big scars on my tummy. I'm not functioning the way I used to. It's getting your body back on track. As they say in the hospital, it's getting your bubbles going. Um, so first off, it's your, your physical. And that, that's sort of at the forefront to start with. And now, and so, you know, you get back on track, you try and go to the gym, um, all those sort of things. But then probably three years down the road, it's the, it is the mental that you, you have to keep on top of because now that my body's fit and healthy, this is when your body's like, oh, you're in a perfect place to start processing some of this trauma. And it's making sure that you're, you're doing your mental check-ins and talking to people to make sure you're, you're on the right track. Your life then is back to normal, so to speak, back to work, and you're preparing for your marriage. Yes, yeah, so uh, I think when you go through something like a cancer diagnosis or something traumatic in your life, it could be even someone else getting diagnosed or a death in the family, It in relationships it kind of either brings you together or it shows that this isn't the person you want to be with in a hard time or in the good times. And um, for my myself and my boyfriend at the time, it just really brought us together and I was like, in hard times, this is who I want to be with. And um, for him, I think he was like, far out, I, this is who I want to be with. And it just um, made us even closer and we know we can get through the lowest of lows together. Jacinta, you got married. Life's going well? Yeah, it's going really well. Um, and just, I think, I'm, I don't like to use this word, but I do feel lucky, even though you wouldn't wish this on your worst enemy, but... I've had a chance to really evaluate my life at a really young age and being able to make some changes and to know what is really important to me. So um, it's all going pretty well. Jacinta, now that you're back on deck, fit, healthy, married, enjoying life, have you come across people who have 
also on a cancer journey and do you feel like you can connect with them a little more? Yeah, I, I definitely think going through this experience, I have so much empathy for anyone going through anything. <laughs> you know, um, no matter what's going on in your life, like it's, it's important to you and so that makes it important to me. Uh, and I found that I think I now have the ability to support friends more or, or a family when I know that they're going through a hard time or I even pick up on it where before I wouldn't, you know, just busy with your own life. Um, so that, that has been a, um, a fantastic outcome. And your experience being something that was genetic, what's your advice to people around getting to understand what underlying issues we all may have? I have so much advice. <laughs> well, um, give it to us. Yeah. Give it to us on the island. We love people yeah. with advice and their own <laughs> opinions on the island. It's really important for others to learn from you and, and get some of that wisdom. So my advice is to ask your family history. It's something that we just don't talk about. So say if you have that uncle that passed away really young, but you were young, so you don't, you don't know... Ask you, now that you're a bit older, ask your mum or your dad why they passed away because um, you just never know when you might find that link. So as an example, you could have had an auntie who passed away of breast cancer and then um, you find out that your grandma actually passed away quite young of breast cancer. Right there, there could be a link and you might want to look into maybe getting tested for the BRCA gene. And that's not the only kind of um, cancer that is hereditary. It's, just, it's like bowel cancer, kidney cancer, prostate cancer, melanoma. They can all run in families. So if you just ask questions, which I know can be hard and sometimes people don't want to talk about it, but knowledge is power. And if you can find out a little bit more about your family tree and why people passed away, it can really serve you in the long run. And obviously act quickly. Yes, and if you can, make sure you take that knowledge to your GP and they will definitely be able to put you in the right direction, whether it is, you know, that follow-up mole check, it is the breast check, or whether it is going to your genetic services. I've known you for a little while. You've always had a, a big zest for life. Has this changed your outlook? Do you think you're a little more circumspect now or, like you said before, you're just really conscious of making sure that every day is the best possible day? Yeah, I definitely think, as, as you've known me for a while, I've definitely got a bit of a sunny disposition. But th this has shown me that, unfortunately, bad things can happen to good people. So it's opened my eyes up a little bit more to that. But then I just I value every day um, more and more and I just try and make the most out of the life that I've been given. I've got one question about your dad. What did he say, firstly, when you were diagnosed after his nagging? And then secondly, how do you guys talk about it now? Yeah, he definitely had a bit of a I told you so moment because it was so long that he was nagging me for. So, so he, yeah, he was quite happy with that. Like He feels like he, he definitely saved my life there and in, in a way he did. And then we, we, know, we have both gone on to definitely talk to our family about getting tested. And, and some people are not open to it and some people are. And um, that's the way, way it is. So we're very about just knowledge sharing and sharing within our family. Jacinta, thanks for being so honest and authentic. Your story uh, has really touched me. 
as I mentioned, I've known you for a little while and your infectious nature on everybody is uh, so powerful and we wouldn't want that to, to dim at all. So I hope this experience really does keep your, your light burning brightly and that you can look forward to a fantastic career, life, married life, and just growing old. Okay, well, thank you very much. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur. Oh, work and no play And how, how it had turned out this way He told me his plan A short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulmun track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished or fell by the way sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky, completely alone, no emails or phones.